This episode of The Paceline is brought to you by Health IQ. You ride your bike, you stay in shape, so you deserve lower life insurance rates. Check out healthiq.com slash paceline to learn just how much your riding can save you on premiums. Now, on to the show. This is your brain, this is your bike, and this is your brain when you're forced off the bike. You just completely don't know how much you rely on the bike for balance and sanity and pleasure and just everything. I'm not even talking about fitness. And an ambitious study of the way we sit and what we sit on. If this study uh, proves that there are certain shapes that create uh, an unhealthy situation for either men or women, my, my ultimate goal would be to be able to put a warning so that the customer is aware that they should be careful. Line, the podcast on two wheels, closing in on 50 shows. This is show 45, and we don't mean to brag, but 45 shows, my friends, is about four times as many as most podcasts make it to, so we're going <laughs> to <Really? we're> beat <laughs> wow. our chest a little bit, yeah. Uh, the Pace Line can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music, all 45 episodes. I'm your host, Michael Hahn. Fatty, you know how this goes. I mean, what you've been a part of what, like five different types of podcasts? These things oh, are yeah. difficult to get out. That, it's true. I I am a I'm on the Goo Pinnacle podcast, the Cycling Tips podcast, the Pace Line, of course, uh, the Fatty Cast, uh, the Dear Departed Fatty Cast that we are considering bringing back, and I think we should. But yeah, uh, and then one non cycling uh, related podcast that. Uh, called the storyboard for UX designers, just in case people are interested in what I do for a day job. You know what? I got to check that one out. Yeah. But there's some nerdiness deep down in there in me. I think I, I'm going to discover. Heck yeah. Okay. I'm in. Fatty, of course, the creator of fatcyclist.com, which has now become part of the home of the pace line, redkiteprayer.com, which puts you, Patrick Brady, in charge of some kind of uh, new media empire. You're a regular Randolph Hearst, a, a Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> Ooh, he just called you Rupert Murdoch. Well, you know... Um, That's mean. If I, could, if I could pick up some of his uh, fortune assembling and then bequeath some of that on, on contributors, uh, I'd be good with that. You know, I could, mm-hmm. I could deal with a little name-calling if it uh, enriched uh, all, my, all my contributors and buddies. Well, turn Megan Kelly into a contributor on RKP somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the move. I I, I'm good with that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Pace Line, everyone. Uh, this is, uh, we're in kind of, a, in, we, we're, before the show, we were talking about weather a little bit, how cold it is outside. Uh, a little tough to ride now, but uh, riding still nonetheless, at least for two out of three of us. Fatty, you're having some trouble getting onto the bike these days, I hear. Yeah, I'm specifically forbidden from getting on the bike for, Ooh. I understand, two weeks till I can get on a trainer, and then I shouldn't be outside riding for six weeks. Uh, it has been five days since I have had uh, hernia surgery, um, and I'm real glad I did it, 
I think this was a good time of year to do it, but I am so miserable. You just completely don't know how much you rely on the bike for balance and sanity and pleasure and just everything. I'm not even talking about fitness. I'm just talking about uh, an addiction I've happily fed for the last 20 plus years. This is the longest I have ever been off a bike. It's been and it's only been five days. I've got really. I, <laughs> I think I might be in, 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 in the peak of the withdrawal phase right now. <laughs> it is not pretty. Most, most I'm crying. Coaches will say most coaches will say for your own health, for your mental health, for your hormonal health, hormonal health, for all of the above, you should get off for at least a couple of weeks. I mean, pros do it all the time. Yeah. This has got to be good for you. Yeah, I actually did a a podcast uh, on uh, the Goo Pinnacle podcast and just you know props over to another podcast I do with, uh, with Ironman champion Marinda Carefree, who uh, was actually starting her two weeks uh, post-Kona mm-hmm. uh, sabbatical where she doesn't do anything. And I was like, oh, I've never taken two weeks off. And she was like, you're nuts. And I, I understand that, but this has nothing to do with training and fitness. This has to do with the fact that I just love to ride my bike and I'm really, really missing it. I mean, how are you guys? I mean, if you are, if you're off for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, don't you get a serious like sense of something missing in your life? I I can't be the only one who's feeling like that. Right. Um, well, uh, I have a bicycle because I don't have antidepressants, or because I have a bicycle, <laughs> I don't have antidepressants. Um, the, for me, the math is real, real simple. Yes. Um, I haven't been on a bike since Sunday, and last night, I don't think anybody in this household liked me. Yeah, I am grouchy as hell right now. People have noticed it. <laughs> I've noticed it. So, yeah. yeah. I had yeah. I had a two-week stretch maybe closer to three week stretch of no bike followed by i want to say three days of riding followed by another nine weeks of no bike uh maybe it was 10 uh where i was yeah completely forbidden from riding i had a uh male reproductive health procedure get sideways oh (laughs) and uh so yeah that was uh, you know, in, in a manner of speaking, modern times, the longest that I've been off the bike and I lost my head. I had to go get out the PlayStation. Um, I was drinking wine with dinner every night. Um, it was not easy to get through. Hmm. We sound so much like a self-support group. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that the reason we started this? Yeah, yeah. What were you saying, Hadi? <laughs> You know, I used to do a lot of hand wringing when I was forced off the bike, whether it be illness or injury or I crashed or what have you. But I, I seem to have gotten over that. Um, I, I don't mind a few days off. It doesn't. Hmm. It, I, it doesn't start weighing on my mind. I suppose if I got sick right now and I was down for five or six days, yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't freak out about it. I used to though. It used to really bug me, and I would I would fear a complete loss of fitness, and I'd never be able to keep up with my buddies again or the group rides or what have you or do that big climb I wanted to do. Um, but I guess I've let some of that go, and I've, I've learned to understand that, you know, you can get it back and you can go out and 
recover and and it's what's best really is to is to take time off and to get away because uh it makes you when you do get back on the bike it makes you enjoy it that much more it makes you more committed to what you're doing more focused if you are training you're more likely to you know put out really good efforts mm-hmm. if you have taken some time off a little mental rest so uh, for all those reasons, I try to just let it go a little bit when I am when I am either forced off or when I feel like it's time to take some time off. Which uh, this time of year is not a not a bad time to do that. So, did you have an episode, Fanny? Was this? I mean, hernia usually means like, oh my god, I'm having a hernia, or was this something that was that you knew was coming? This is something that has been increasingly painful for more than a year for me, um, and there was no like single precipitating event where like I was suddenly incapacitated. It's just that I've heard it more and more often because of this, uh, as time progresses, uh, my wife who is a nurse, uh, was, ha- you know, happened to be talking to a surgeon who does this kind of thing and asked, you know, is this, you know, is this something he should take care of? And the doctor or the surgeon was like, from what I hear, it sounds like it's not going to ever get better, but just get worse. And so got an opening at, at, w- to talk with the surgeon. He had then an opening in his schedule later that week. It's snowy and cold outside, 25 degrees right now here in Utah. And the timing just seemed right, you know, with the Christmas break coming up and, you know, some you know work slowing down across the board a little bit. It was the right time for me to be able to do this is invisibly to my work and my training and my PTO days as it was ever going to be. So mm. we got it done. Good. And I'm glad well, I did. Although I have yeah. some interesting bruises in interesting places. <laughs> <laughs> no photos forthcoming. <laughs> I'm, I'm good so with this that. Down, at least this downtime has allowed you some time to start thinking about 2017 yes. about your your next goal. So what obsessively? Do, where where are you? Where do you, <laughs> mentally? Where are you headed on the bike in 2017? Okay, I'm keeping my goals super simple this year. I'd be interested to hear what your goals are this year to both of you. But um, you know that the Rockwell Relay, which I understand is going to be renamed soon, but still the same. Uh, road uh, relay race from Moab, Utah to St. George, Utah in generally, you know, between 28 and 30 hours for people. Um, I've done that every year for the past several years. And I think we, my, my team is one co-ed all but one of those years. Um, and we're trying to decide, it's like, well, so we try to keep up the dynasty or do something different. And my wife, Lisa, and I have a super secret plan to do something that is going to blow people's minds. And I am not going to say a whole lot more, except it's going to be the single most, with any luck, amazing bike race I ever do in my life. This is going to be my peak race. So that's one. (laughs) I am also going to do, I think this year, the Leadville Silver Rush 50. Uh, about oh. about a month before the Leadville 100, uh-huh. uh, because I've done the Leadville 100 19 times, I have 19 finishes now, I automatically do get in the lottery, and I don't have to worry about that. But um, because I raced in support of my wife last year and made that the focus of my race, I'm further back 
in the number of corrals than I ordinarily would be. And so I'm doing the Silver Rush 50 with the intention of moving forward in the Leadville 100 corral. So mm-hmm. um, I'm hopeful to be fast enough to move into uh, what uh, to the Red Corral, or if I have a super triple good day, the Silver Corral, which is the second, you know, the corral right behind the pros. So yeah, that's what I'm after. Uh, how about you guys, Michael? You um, for me, the only thing I've really uh, marked down because I've wanted to do it for like three years is Crusher. Oh um, yeah. So. Good. Yeah, I, I really want to get out to that event. It seems like it's the it's the the up and comer, or it's it's not even an up and comer anymore. It is an established, beat down, hard endurance event. Um, not only that, it's on drop bar bike, which uh, mm-hmm. well, if they, it seems that most people do it on a drop bar sure. bike uh, with with uh, gravel type tires. And I've really become attracted to that kind of riding. I really love it a lot. I did a big event. In fact, just before the show, we did 100 miles up in the San Gabriel Mountains that was on, you know, cross bikes, gravel type bikes. And I just really, really like that kind of riding. And, I, and that event in particular um, seems like it's just got all those elements, Fatty, that you love about oh, yeah. those big events. You, it challenges your fitness. It challenges your preparation, your nutrition. It challenges your bike setup. The organizer uh, is a super good guy and yeah. who takes great care of the racers. You know the only thing that sucks, Hottie? Silver Rush 50 and the Crusher are on the same day. Same day. So you will not be there. You and I are going to be, I mean, you're going to be in within three hours of where I live, and I'm going to be seven hours away. (laughs) I'm bummed. It would have been awesome to race together. We could have worked together. That would have been cool. Yeah, that's okay. Um, One of us has to be there, so uh, I'm going to try to get to that this year. And then other than that, I don't have a lot of specifics laid out. I mean, the Grasshopper Adventure Series that Patrick and I both love uh, by Miguel Crawford up in Sonoma County. I, I know that I will try to make at least one of my two of those. And Old Casadero is one I'd like to get back to again. I really love that event. Great kickoff, 50-miler. Again, drop bar bike with 40s. I just love that style of riding right now. So I imagine at least one or, or probably two of those events will be in the offing. And there's some local mountain bike stuff and probably a road race or two. Now, I noticed um, that you have not said... The Leadville 100, and you and I talked about that obsessively for like what 38 of the 45 episodes we've mm-hmm. done so far. I think so, it's 46 or 45 episodes. <laughs> yeah. So is that just if you scratch that itch and you're moving on, or what's up? Well, uh, Leadville is, you know, in my mind, nothing you mess around with. You have to have motivation for mm-hmm. that event. You don't just show up to Leadville, Colorado and go, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. That's the right has to attitude. Be, for me, there has to be a reason to do that ride. And for four trips around the place, I had a reason. I mean, I had my first ride around it and I didn't get gold buckle. So the second time back was to gold buckle, which I did. The third and fourth times I participated were to pay somebody. So I don't have a reason to be in the event right now. I, I might have a reason to be there. Come crew uh, the for week me, man. Of. Yeah, to, to crew or to help out. Sean, who stayed with us, Freddie, oh, yeah. Sean's such a good uh, guy. In the, in the house, is back in already. He's already qualified. He already has corral position. He's ready to go. Uh, I'm sure he would love some type of help. So I, 
I'm not saying I won't be in Leadville. I'm just saying I, right now I don't have a reason to to line up mm, okay. and, and and be a participant in the Leadville Trail 100. I'm gonna if have I to talk with one, Sean. You know, maybe he and I can work together. What, what's he shooting for? Do you know what his time? Uh, what his target is for? Uh, yeah, he 17? wants he wants sub eight. He he wants to break eight hours. So do I. Well, uh, hmm. May he, yeah, we may have something. Well, I mean, he and I might have to talk. You could crew for mm-hmm. us, or maybe that's your reason. Just uh, be our lead out guy. The lead out guy, boy. Yeah. If you guys are going for sub eight, you're gonna you're gonna leave me out by the time you hit Kevens. <laughs> that that would be the point. So that those are my goals, Patrick Brady. Any anything for twenty seven? Anything on the horizon for you yet? It's funny. I'm not a big goal setter. I kind of get on quests, and I just want to go faster next year than I went this year. So like my my two previous performances at Old Cas have been kind of in the three hours 50 minute mark range i think one was 349 the other 352 something like that i'd really like to break three and a half hours i'd like to shave a <laughs> bunch of time off um you know, i'm sorry but, i'm laughing because your leaf blower guy is back yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> he's like exactly the, as i'm talking he's like the fourth person in this show <laughs> <laughs> the other character he yeah is. yeah um so um yeah, there's that. Um, you know, not not a lot on the horizon in terms of, of new events for me uh, for this year. I plan on doing all of the grasshoppers. I didn't actually do all of them this, this year, uh, so I'm really hoping to be able to do all of them. If I can make it back to the Rock Cobbler, I'd like that. Um, but, you know, just better fitness, um, you know, faster times. That's all I'm really looking for. Well, it's a good thing we're talking about, you know, goals for 2017. And it sounds like, you know, the three of us all love um, uh, the non-sanctioned events, the Grand Fondos, the Gravel events, Leadville's a non-sanctioned event, Mm -hmm. which brings up an interesting point about USA Cycling, our sanctioning body. They have created uh, new license tiers to cater to both enthusiast cyclists and hardcore racers. According to Derek Bouchard-Hall, who's the CEO of USA Cycling, the new products reflect a bigger trend that USAC is trying to tap into, the growth of non-traditional cycling events such as charity rides, gravel races, and Grand Fondos. The new license uh, that USA Cycling is offering is called a ride license. They go for between $50 and $150 per license. The the higher-end licenses, you get more options, you get more insurance coverage, um, you get stuff like roadside service if you need it, you get insurance coverage at gravel events and Grand Fondos, there's some type of $25,000 insurance that you can can have at. Um, the, The license itself, a ride license, is of course not required for you to enter these events like Leadville or Rock Cobbler. Um, it just puts USAC in line with them. USAC does handle some registration for the, like the Rock Cobbler right now that you mentioned, Patrick, is on the USA Cycling page. And you can register for the event through USA Cycling, but you do not need their license to be, to, to enter that event. All the, li- all the ride license does is offer you insurance and some benefits and a t shirt and some things. And it, I think starts 
pushing USA Cycling closer to these events where a lot of people are going, quite obviously. The standard race license is now $70, and that's for the hardcore, well, not the hardcore, but the the racer, the the traditional license. Uh, You can upgrade those licenses. For instance, you can get a $100 podium license now, and that'll cover you whether you be in a in a USA cycling race or in a Grand Fondo gives you some of that roadside assistance stuff that they're now offering. Um, the bicycle roadside assistance program is pretty funny. Uh, you can get help with a flat crash transportation and a bicycle recovery. Should your ride end up over the side of a cliff? Um, kind of <laughs> you get a flat, you can have somebody come out and fix your flat, uh, with, with your racer license. I, I think if you need, Help fixing a flat. Maybe another sport might be your option at that point. I'm just thinking lip. if you if you go over a cliff, you might need some additional mm-hmm. help as well. <laughs> I was looking at that, and there are a lot of exceptions to it. I mean, it really it looked sort of hard to use. You know, it it wasn't very triple A. No, I couldn't read between the lines there. Uh, funny, I used to work for triple A and. I mean, the deal with AAA is as long as you're in the car, you're covered, mm-hmm. whether you be a uh, driver or not. Um, but I, I suppose they could send out some type of rescue vehicle for you if you needed it, uh, if you had this type of coverage. Uh, but Bouchard Hall said the governing body, USAC, will be aggressively reaching out to Grand Fondo and charity ride events to offer sanctioning and insurance. This push towards the Grand Fondo, towards gravel events, uh, is for obvious reasons. Of the estimated 7 million cyclists in the U.S., only about 1% are part of USA Cycling. So USAC is trying to follow the wheels here. They, they want to be where they are. Um, one of the things they've talked about at USAC is using Grand Fonda results as upgrade points from Cat 5 to Cat 4, which may further entice you know recreational riders to get a license. Uh, Bouchard Hall does not have to be told this, but guys, one of the reasons... People get involved with Grand Fondos and gravel events is to get away from the bicycle bureaucracy. So is this, do we welcome them into these events? <laughs> do we think, do, are they needed at a Grasshopper, Patrick, or a Leadville Fatty? Do we need these guys here helping out with mm. I organization wish and registration and yeah. rules? If they provide a good registration service and a good insurance service for uh, for promoters, then I think that that's fantastic. In terms of me uh, signing up to get a license or to, you know, for hopes of upgrade points, I have no interest in that whatsoever. Um, I'm, you know, I wish them well, but I also don't care. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. Of all the various leaders that USAC has had um, since, you know, since I got into cycling, um, Derek Bouchard Hall is the guy I most believe in who, who has, you know, done more to garner my faith, um, for the leadership of that organization than any two or three previous leaders there. That said, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't have anything against USAC, <laughs> but they just don't provide a product that I need. You know, it's not a compelling product. And so you wish them well, but. You don't care. <laughs> well, not to put too fine a point on it, but um, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, really, the thing it comes down to is a, a real fundamental change in my mindset 
about what it is I'm up to when I pin on a number. Um, you know, when you line up for an industrial park crit, you're there to race and race other people. Um, you know, this is not some interior experience. And the whole reason I do the grasshoppers and the rock cobbler and whatnot is because I'm trying to figure out what's inside me. I'm not racing someone else. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to see what I have. And so in that regard, you know, even though I haven't done Leadville, you know, I'm, I'm in pursuit of something that feels pretty similar to what both of you guys are doing when you're there or at some of those other events. Um, and so I'm not, I just don't see myself as a racer in that classic definition. Yeah, I've pinned a number on. Yeah, I'm trying to go as hard as I can. Um, and if I pass somebody in the final 3K, cool. But I'm not really racing that dude or that woman, you know? I'm just trying to go as hard as I can figure out how to go. It seems to be, though, that the, what USA Cycling is trying to do is be more than just about racing. Mm-hmm. That that they see riding as part of a, an area that they can help serve, that they can be, that they can enhance an event like Rock Cobbler or Miguel's events. You know, and I invite them like- to to um, pursue that. Um, it's understandable. It's smart. Um, you know, and uh, certainly I, I wish them success because the more successful USA Cycling is, um, you know, the better that is for our elite programs. If that organization isn't starved for money, they can do more to help de- uh, develop elite athletes here in the U.S. And so I'm, I'm all for that. But it's one of those things that, you know, you know, it's like Apple with the Newton. The Newton seemed like it was a really cool gizmo and it seemed like something I kind of wanted, but I never did buy it. The iPhone, on the other hand, it's like, oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, I need that. Right. Well, again, uh, it's a two-tiered program now with a lot. And I spent some time uh, this morning on their website. Their website does, by the way, the licensing portion of the website at USA Cycling is a lot easier to understand before picking what categories you want. Am I going to rise cross or mountain or am I downhill or endure? You had to sign up for all these different classifications they have streamlined it. I mean, now you can just buy one blanket racer's license for 70 bucks, and it covers you in any race throughout the year, um, and you get you know the minimum amount of benefits from USAC, but you get, you get it all, and you, and you can step up from there hmm. to a $100 license, which gives you more of the fun stuff, like the roadside assistance, and the same with a rider's license. They're much easier to follow uh, than, they, than they have been in previous years. So at least hats off to USAC. For getting that yeah. website uh, pared down a little bit, a little easier to follow, we do appreciate that. Again, I don't know about, you know, one of the beauties of, of racing at Leadville or, or riding at, well, I suppose, at Crusher or at a Grasshopper event or Rock Cobbler is the lack of bureaucracy, is its grassroots feel. The fact that it's you and that course and some people around you and that organizer and there's nothing in between. Um, and there's no one shouting at you, and there's no one in a blue denim shirt um, looking at the way you've got your number pinned on. It's you know it's got a different organic, uh, homier feel to it, I think, than than a race does. A race feels tight, intense, and I don't know if USAC is totally responsible for that, but 
I do feel at times they, they do bring that presence. Hmm. Um, you know, there's something to be said for that because I've certainly been at events where the presence of the officials and their need to make their presence known and their author- and to assert their authority over an event has certainly kind of dampened what might have been a, a more enjoyable outing. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that if I showed up at the Rock Cobbler and, you know, it was being, you know, uh, governed, overseen, whatever, by USAC, um, and it, you know, if they were there and it did nothing to color my experience, you know, didn't get in the way of the experience at all, I wouldn't care. I really wouldn't. Um, you know, again, I'm not hostile to them. They're just not presenting anything that I really need in my cycling life. And when I talked to uh, Carlos Perez of Bike Monkey uh, about, uh, you know, some recent assertions about how good the insurance program is uh, through USA Cycling, he laughed. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's like, no, that's exactly why we buy our own insurance. Mm. Um, And, you know, it's just when I show up at a Bike Monkey event, it's fun top to bottom. And there's nobody in a blue shirt saying you got to put away that beer. Screw that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, if I'm going to have two beers after, uh, after a bike race, I'm not going to get yelled at for it. Right. Okay. Well, if you are going to do a USA cycling race, you will need a license though. And then they're there for that. So USA cycling and it's new license program is up for review. Now, uh, let's hit the lap button and come back with a, a look at a former pro knocking out Strava KOMs to prove a point and, the largest scientific study of cyclist health ever conducted. Up next. Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Fatty and Patrick Brady alongside here. The Pace Line, of course, would like to thank Health IQ for its support. Look, if we could get through life without insurance, we would. But, Patrick, since it's a good idea to have coverage and we're all cyclists, then Health IQ can help offset some of the cost of that coverage. Yeah, it's funny. I'd sort of like to reference the old Chris Rock routine uh, regarding insurance where he says, because S, I can't say the full word because this is a family program. But with life insurance, you know, it's um, it's not really all that sophisticated, or at least it hasn't been uh, with this new outfit, Health IQ. Uh, life insurance, you know, has gone from being something where you get a really rudimentary um physical and uh they ask you a few questions and here's your rate um what's different about health uh health iq is that they are advocates for people who are living a healthy conscious lifestyle um 
you know, they've harnessed the power of, of massive data and they've used science to fight for lower rates on health insurance. Um, and this isn't just for cyclists. It's for people who walk, run, you know, triathletes, anybody who's leading um, a healthier, active lifestyle. And the reason they're doing this is that they have research that shows that avid cyclists have a 45% lower cancer risk, 18% lower heart disease risk, and up to 28% lower risk of early death. You're going to be around longer because you ride a bike. And so now because of Health IQ, you can get lower uh, rates because of your lifestyle. And so they've got uh, special rates uh, for cyclists, runners, etc., and um, they even have some, you know, they've got on their site uh, research that you can look at. They've got quizzes that you can take that'll tell you more about how you rate in all this. Um, and it's uh, it's a great way to shop for life insurance uh, and get a better rate than you may have had. Um, mm-hmm. one, so one of the things they ask you right off the bat is, you're, you're a cyclist. How many miles do you ride? Yeah, And you start moving forward from there. So if you want to find out more about this, first of all, we'll have a link in the show, on the page, the PaceLine page at redkiteprayer.com. Just go there. It'll be right there in the show notes. You can't miss it. Or go to healthiq.com forward slash PaceLine and check out the excellent rates you can obtain because you exercise, because you're a cyclist. Healthiq.com. They can help you out with your life insurance rates. And we thank them for supporting the PaceLine. Uh, guys, I really like Phil Guyman. He's a former pro. He just wrapped up his career, in fact, with Cannondale Trey Pack. Technically, uh, he he's a still podcast. a pro. He, well, I, I'm Through sure the end of the year. His, <laughs> he, on his license, he's still a pro, but he yeah. does, he's not going to race this year. Not with Cannondale, at least. Uh, he has a podcast. He has his own grand fondo. He loves cookies. Uh, he's a man of purpose and principle. He lives in Los Angeles, and he leads an annual ride along historic Mulholland Drive that is dedicated to cleaning up trash along the road. Now Phil is targeting and taking down KOMs on Strava, owned by a convicted doper. Um, You may have heard this name before, at least on Strava. His name is Thorfinn Sasquatch. Uh, uh, That's how he's known, at least on Strava. He is none other than Nick Brandt Sorensen, a 35-year-old former pro with a clothing line and a growing list of doping-related offenses. Brand Sorensen most recently pleaded guilty uh, to selling EPO over state lines. Five years earlier, USADA busted him for and suspended him for two years after he tested positive for a drug that enhances oxygen delivery. A sample was taken after he won the Masters 30-34 to 34 National Championship Road Race in Bend, Oregon. Brant Sorensen had also amassed dozens, if not hundreds, of KOMs around the L.A. area, some of the notable ones are the famed Mandeville Climb and Mount Wilson. Guyman now has those KOMs. He said Mandeville actually took him several. Patrick, you know the Mandeville Climb. <laughs> yeah. Guyman said it took him several, actually several attempts to, to grab that one from Brant Sorensen. Uh, Guy, Guyman hopes his assault on these KOMs serves another purpose here. He wants local riders to understand the level of fitness that pros possess versus that of the average, quote-unquote, local hero. Guyman has the word clean tattooed on his arm, if you have any question about his motivation here. Some folks have fired back on social media, taking issue with Phil's quest. But is there any other way, guys, to, to clean the record here? Um, is, this, 
Is this something we should honor? A guy taking down another person's KOMs for principle? Hmm. Oh my God, yes. Yes, 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 <laughs> and yes, and um, yes. I, I love this so much. I want like Christmas decorations with his face on them. No, this is just the most <laughs> wonderful thing in the whole world. And by the way, big, big cheers to our buddy Peter Flax for doing the yes. story that brought this to light. Um, Peter is a really, really fine writer and editor. Um, I'm actually completely envious and bummed that, uh, you know, we didn't get to publish this story at RKP. Um, no, I, you know, the, the educational aspect of, no, this is how fast pros really go, um, is pretty dynamite, especially on those segments that have been written by thousands upon thousands of cyclists. You think you're quick? This is world-class fit. Um, and so I dig that, but I've also, you know, knowing that Thorfinn Sasquatch was out there with all these Strava KOMs and that I was going to see his name on top of a leaderboard if I went back home and rode something, I, I honestly didn't like that, but I didn't really know what you do about it. And this is the perfect solution because you're not asking um, Strava to st- step in and pull out... Um, uh, you know, a doper's KOM. Now, Thorfinn Sasquatch, Brant Sorison, has said that he's getting, he he's being tested, that he's clean, that an independent organization is uh, drawing blood samples and testing him. I believe that the way I believe that the sun rises in the West. Um, and that he would even try to put that one over on us makes me dislike that guy just that much more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fatty, I, you <laughs> wow. Haven't you interviewed Phil? I thought you he was a guest. On I your have. Show. I've had Phil on the Fatty Cast, and he is just a fantastic guy. Uh, a pleasure to talk to. Smart, thoughtful, and uh, obviously fast as a scalded cat. Not that I'm advocating <laughs> scalding cats or any other animal. <laughs> JFYI. Um, that said... Uh, do you guys remember back uh, back in the day when Peloton Magazine had a uh, did a series of videos and I think articles with uh, Mr. Hematocrit who was going and taking back uh, Stravas from uh, pros who had done who you know who had taken over who had taken uh, KOMs from normal people. Mm-hmm. I'm I never really loved that, and it was like you know having a guy who was like outrageously fast going and t- uh, getting on top of a leaderboard in front of a pro as a statement didn't make me feel like I was any faster or anything. I And I don't necessarily feel like Guyman is taking anything back for the little people. He's basically saying a clean pro is faster than a doped normal person. And that's fine. That's interesting. But I don't feel like there's been any particular uh, victory on my behalf. I mean, I, I was I w- wasn't close to anyone anywhere. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't feel like anyone is uh, I, I don't feel like anyone has made a moral victory on my behalf. Uh, that said, it's kind of entertaining. And I definitely want to second uh, what you said about Flax. He is not just with this article, but Everything he's been riding lately, including, I mean, a tweet storm he uh, published about <laughs> a, a ride on a bike trail yesterday, um, yes. you know, where where a guy gave him some grief for wearing knee warmers. He is entertaining, insightful, hilarious. He's uh, he's a national treasure. 
What I want to see is <laughs> yeah. I want to see Gaiman interviewing Flax on his podcast or on our podcast. How about that? Bring them both. I checked. I checked Phil's sites and his podcast, and he's not. He, he has not brought this up himself. It mm-hmm. took Peter getting it out of him and putting it out there to to bring attention to it. Uh, of course, now I mean, all you have to do is check out the, the Strava pages, and you, you'll find you'll see the track record. Uh, uh, Phil has got some, and he's got some more. And uh, you know, th- there are some other targets out there that he that he's trying to knock down. Some right in his own neighborhood um, that are owned by. Sasquatch or whatever this guy called himself. Yeah. Um, and I love yeah. the way that, you know, he doesn't just like put a couple seconds into him, you know, in certain instances, he's put a minute into him. Uh, yeah. So he's put these things away. Um, you know, he even talked about, I believe it was Mandeville. He tapered for it. You know, there were a couple of attempts <laughs> and then he tapered for it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, he said uh, the last two, two kilometers of Mount Wilson, he was actually laughing as he was, as he was knocking off that record. So, yeah. He's taking some pleasure. <laughs> oh, good for him. I mean, and you know, it's just, it's, you know, we've all had those times at the end of a season where we've had a really good season, well, hopefully. Uh, and then, you know, you've got this crazy form, there are no races, and you go out and you just kind of ride hard some. And it's fun to see him do something with this, you know, in a memorable, you know, way, something that we can all kind of digest. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a, a, a fun thing to watch. Um, and he's even talked about how, you know, he's gotten more positive feedback from setting a bunch of these Strava KOMs that he, than he ever did for some of his race performances. That's a little <laughs> bit sad. Yeah, but, that's you know, a little sad. <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever. He's still getting, you know, positive feedback from fans. And bottom line, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really uh, pay and- rent, but... Maybe there's a, there's a small benefit here, too, for all of us. Uh, Strava has calculated the average speed for each nation. So maybe Phil's efforts here could help elevate uh, the USA's average speed <laughs> on Strava. We're in, the, in the male category, it's, number one, the fastest men in the world, according to Strava, are Holland, with an average speed of just under 27K per hour. Uh, then the UK, France, and USA would be, what, in fifth place on that list? Fourth place, I'm sorry. In women, we are actually in third place, uh, an average speed of 20.5K per hour. So maybe Phil can help us out a little bit here. Raise our, raise our Strava profile as a nation. <laughs> the Dutch have got us I right wonder now. how they calculate that, if there's an algorithm we can game. There's always an algorithm. <laughs> Strava is one big algorithm, isn't it? Uh, more pro news or professional riding, uh, racing news, that is. No podium girls at the Tour Down Under starting in 2017 and for the foreseeable future. In the interest of creating a more positive image of women in the sport, the South Australian government withdrew its support of the use of podium girls at the Santos Tour Down Under. That's Australia's biggest cycling event. This move, driven by South Australian Sport Minister Leon Bignell, is about sending a consistent message about body image. He said the government's paying for um, for grid girls at the same time. They call them grid girls, not podium girls. The government's paying for grid girls at the same time we're putting money into mental health areas to help young women who have body image problems. He sees a conflict there, and he sees a reason to pull support for podium girls. I guess the question now, guys, is 
it, will we have a domino effect here? Will other races follow? Oh, uh, I hope. <laughs> you know, is, the funny the time thing is, come, Patrick. Oh, the time has been. You know, we're we're the entire world is late to the party on this. This should have stopped years ago. And if I may. Doing this doesn't make women look better. It makes men look better. It makes us less Cro-Magnon. You know, <laughs> the, there's not been anything wrong with the women. Um, I mean, at least, you know, the women they put up there, if they've got body image issues, that's a separate, you know, personal thing. You know, we need to stop using women as sex objects. And so that's not a problem with the women. That's a problem with us for pursuing them in that way. Mm-hmm. So say say la vie to the uh, or so long that is to the, the knuckle dragging uh, bicycle rider up there, um, and uh, yeah, no, it's it is one of those almost embarrassing parts of the sport where we almost have to have, yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a weird sure. anachronism. Glad to see it go. Yeah, yeah, is it okay? Bye bye. Um, so tour down under, no more podium girls, and then we'll see about the rest of the world tour if they can. Uh, Follow along here with what looks like a, a great example of how to conduct a race. Uh, Patrick, a, a major study of cyclists is underway, and, and you had a chance to talk to one of the researchers. Yeah, Roger Minkow. Uh, he ex of specialized in body geometry. He who helped design the toupee saddle. Uh, he uh, of the Roman, as in Roger Minkow, saddle. Um, you know, this was a business line for Specialized that kind of revolutionized their entire road uh, uh, setup. Um, he's been one of the foremost uh, advocates for changing saddle design and finding ways to uh, design saddles in a way that uh, don't cause or contribute to erectile dysfunction. And he has uh, just started a new study uh, in conjunction with uh, Stanford University, and uh, they're collecting data from cyclists all over the world. This is going to be the biggest erectile dysfunction study uh, on cyclists in history, um, maybe one of the biggest studies of cyclists in history by the time it's all said and done. Uh, but I sat down with him. Turns out he's in Petaluma near me, and so we got together for lunch sat down and chatted, and then later recorded an interview about the study. Hi, Roger. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us at the Pace Line. Um, it's been a little while uh, since you and I last crossed paths. Um, it was uh, not too terribly long after the two-pace saddle was introduced by Specialized. Um, why don't you, for listeners who may not be familiar with that story, um, Tell them how you came to uh, to work with Specialized and Body Geometry. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, it's nice to be here. And um, the way the story started, it was in 1997. And Bicycling Magazine, in August of 1997, uh, had on the cover of the magazine a bicycle saddle with barbed wire. And the title <laughs> yeah. of the article was The Unseen Danger. Uh, it was an article written by Joe Keita with a sidebar by Ed Pavalka. And it, it outlined really for the first time uh, uh, how cycling could cause erectile dysfunction. And in that article, there was a lot, there were a lot of frightening phrases uh, coming from Erwin Goldstein, who was a urologist in Boston, who estimated that over 100,000 men in the United States had erectile dysfunction as a result of pressure on the arteries from the bicycle seat. 
Now, most urologists did not agree with Goldstein's numbers, but uh, the article was frightening enough that it created a wave in the cycling industry, especially in the United States. Sure. So I read the article and um, designed a prototype seat. I sent it to Ed Pavalka and said, look, I don't know uh, if this will help, but why don't you try this? And he called back and said, I think that thing might might actually work. Uh, two weeks later, I got a call from Mike Sinyard, uh, the owner of Specialized, and he said, I've talked to Ed Pavalka. He's a friend of mine. Why don't you come down and help us design a seat to deal with this problem? So that's how it all started in 1997. Boy. And, uh, I mean, we could just say the rest, as they say, is history, but um, Specialized really built an empire on saddles subsequent to that. Um, if I recall correctly, the toupee is one of the best-selling saddles of all time, correct? I believe that's true. Uh, we've had a, a number of saddles that were very uh, uh, very popular, the toupee, the Roman, those series, the... Um, uh, and then, of course, the power saddle recently. So these saddles have won a lot of awards, have um, helped a lot of people. I was getting emails from all over the world. People would send me pictures of their children and, and, and tell me that they were unable to have children before they started riding some of these saddles and were very appreciative. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I didn't have problems, but I switched to a toupee when it first became available simply because I thought, well, you know, why take any chances? Maybe I should just kind of start protecting myself now. Um, yeah. So- I mean, in those early days, uh, when I was working at Specialized, we had uh, medical testing for all of our saddles, and that was a real breakthrough in the industry. Right. Right. So, you're working on a new study now uh, in conjunction with Stanford University. Um, walk us through, you know, what that study is and what you're interested to find out. Well, um, one of the things that's always been frustrating to me in designing saddles is the fact that most riders had history of uh, riding narrow or dome-shaped saddles for years before they ever switched to anything ergonomic. And so when it came time to question, well, have we really done anything uh, for the incidence of erectile dysfunction, it was almost an impossible question because all the riders had experienced uh, uh, saddles that cut off their blood flow for many years, even before they switched to ergonomic saddles, not only by specialized, but by other companies as well. So about a year ago, I started thinking, well, I haven't seen anything in the medical literature about erectile dysfunction in a long time. I wonder why. And, and then I researched it and I came across some studies that said that the incidence of erectile dysfunction in cycling was no longer uh, uh, increased over the normal population. So I dug a little deeper and I talked to my friend Frank Summer, who is the world-famous urologist in Germany. And I said, Frank, I said, do you think it's possible that after 19 years of designing ergonomic saddles uh, at Specialized and having other companies designing ergonomic saddles as well, do you think it's possible that with 15 or 20 million new saddles on the market that the incidence of ED is now diminished to the normal uh, incidence 
of an average person. And Frank said, I think it's possible. Uh, it's never been studied, uh, but I think it's possible. So at that point, I started thinking about how to design a study and who to work with. And I met Michael Eisenberg, who is a, a medical doctor. He's a urologist. He's a, an assistant professor of urology at Stanford, a great guy. Um, and he was very enthusiastic. And I said, look, I'd like to study this problem again, much like Frank studied it in, in 2002, and see if the incidence of erectile dysfunction is indeed less than it was before. And even more than that, see if we can correlate it with any particular types of saddles or design so that we could delineate whether certain saddle shapes were safer than others. Interesting. We've been working. Yeah, so we've been working on this idea since July, and the study launched about three and a half weeks ago, and using so social media and the contacts that I've had in the cycling industry for so long, uh, friends of mine, um, we sent out a note and asked for volunteers, so people that would like to participate in the study. And the thing that's very, very different about this study than anything that's ever been done is the depth uh, it goes into the cycling variables. For example, there's uh, maybe 20 different uh, shapes of saddles. Right. That it goes into, and it says, how long have you ridden this saddle, and what did you ride before? Which shape did you ride before? And have you had a bike fit? And how much did your bike fit cost? Because a lot of people think that they've had a fit when it's really just been a sizing. And are you following the recommendations of the, of the fitter or did you then revert back to your old style of riding? Things like this um, that really uh, go into the complexity of cycling, which all cyclists have been waiting for for a long time. The other thing the study does is it goes into women's issues, because while men's issues have been studied quite extensively, women's have not. There's only been a few studies done. So we wanted to do something that would absolutely uh, find out and explore what the women's problems are in cycling and whether it's correlated to any particular design shapes of saddles. Man, that's, yeah, it's a level of thoroughness that we've never encountered before. And it's sort of amazing to think that no studies of erectile functioning uh, function and cycling have ever investigated fit as a component to this. I mean, it just boggles the, boggles my mind. Well, and I think I think it would boggle most riders' minds now in 2016. But when I went to Frank's lab in 2002 or 2003, everybody that we studied uh, penile blood flow on was riding the same bike, or the same the, the same exact bike. So there was no concept of adjusting that bike size or angle for the, the, uh, the anatomical needs of that rider. Mm -hmm. This was, this, if I could remember, I mean, it's not that long ago that, that even the pros did not have proper fitting. So this is a rather new concept. Now, with, with saddles, as I said, for years, I was wondering whether saddles actually could be designed to eliminate uh, increased risk of erectile dysfunction. And at that time, the studies came out and it said, well, uh, we studied saddles, and we put in one category saddles that had a cutout, and those we call ergonomic saddles. And the ones that didn't have a cutout, we don't call ergonomic. 
But I mean, studying in the lab at, at Specialized for all these years, we, we know that some cutouts work and some cutouts don't work. Uh, having a cutout doesn't, pro doesn't protect you at all from uh, ED. Uh, right. Everything has to be anatomically designed. So the, the definition of saddles was very primitive in those days, not understanding that there were a lot of uh, things that go into the design that really made a big difference in blood flow. Uh, likewise, right now, the concept of fit is rather primitive. So if you ask the average person if they've had a fit, they don't exactly know um, what the definition of a fit is. And those of us on the inside of the industry know that there are many different fit systems, all of which are saying that they, they work. Mm -hmm. But there's no real um, measure of outcome from a certain fit. So if you're a mountain biker or a triathlete or something like that, do we know which fit is particularly the best for you? No, we don't know that yet. And that'll take some years to find out. But sure. right now, we're a little bit more sophisticated on the saddles, and um, fit is at least addressed in the study so that we have an idea and we can at least put those people that have had a real fit into a different category. Terrific. Um, so on our website, we will include a link to the study so that people can sign up. Um, how long are you going to run this? This study is going to be ongoing. So we don't have an end point in sight. We've got 750 people in the first three and a half weeks, which already makes it one of the largest medical studies ever done on cycling. We're uh, <laughs> wow. expecting to get 10,000 people in this study, which will be one of the largest medical studies ever done. And it'll be a, see, let me back up a second. In medicine, uh, truth in medicine comes from statistical significance. Right. So you have to, if, if, you're, if you're saying does A or B work, there has to be statistical proof that there's a difference. And um, in a simple question, like if you had diabetes uh, and you said, well, we took two people, one was on insulin and one wasn't, does insulin work? You would only need two people to find that out. But if we say, well, we've got 25 different shapes of saddles, do we know if one saddle has a different incidence of erectile dysfunction than another? That's going to take thousands of people to get enough information uh, to make a judgment on that. Wow. That's that's incredible. I mean, it's it's going to take some real endurance on on your part and Dr. Eisenberg's to to see this through uh, to that many people. Now, in terms of um, ultimate goals, you know, you said you want to understand better which saddles work for people, which don't. Um, what else are you hoping uh, to accomplish out of this? I mean, my ultimate goal uh, would, would be to protect the health of riders all over the world. Uh, a rider walks into a bicycle store, looks at, looks at the saddle wall, has no idea if a particular saddle is going to be dangerous for him or her. Uh, I, if this study, uh, proves that there are certain shapes that create, uh, an unhealthy situation for either men or women, my, my ultimate goal would be to be able to put a warning so that the customer is aware that they should be careful and that unless they're properly fit 
unless they're the proper size, they should beware of certain saddle shapes. Wow. That's remarkable. I mean, that's that's really taking a firm stand on uh, not just erectile dysfunction, but just on on good fit. Um, I'm really going to be fascinated to watch this. Um, you'll you'll have my uh, survey along with many others, I'm sure. So, Roger, thanks so much. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. It's been a pleasure. Again, I was uh, Dr. Roger Minkow. He's an ergonomic specialist who spent a long time with Specialized, as he talked about working on saddles. And he and Stanford University urologist Dr. Michael Eisenberg are working on this extensive study regarding saddles. And Patrick, the big, the big thing there in the end, I think it was right at the end, warning labels on saddles is something that Dr. Minkow would like to see in the future, wow, and <laughs> whoa, yeah. if you are in the saddle industry, I mean, the reaction from the Celi Italias and San Marcos and even Specialized of the world, their ears are going to, that that's going to catch their ears. Absolutely. I mean, when he first told me that, I almost fell out of my chair. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a lofty goal. I don't know if he'll get there, but I mean, certainly... You know, the results of this study, he'll have the ability to say, okay, this saddle design, it hasn't done anybody any good. Um, and that's that's a remarkable thing. You know, not all saddles are created equal, even among those that have holes or slots or channels. Um, and so I think it's going to be really helpful to the industry to get some, you know, scientific feedback on designs that actually work. Mm-hmm. And they have to talk to enough people to where that, you know, while a saddle may not work for one person because of their anatomy, it may work for somebody else. And we're talking about whether or not they suffer from ED here. In other words, somebody's health and well-being on a saddle, they're not going to be parallel. It's not, it's not always going to be an even playing field. It's going to, a lot of it's going to be based on who you are. And I would gather their study is going to get to the bottom of that, too. And that's why they're using so many people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. The the bigger the data pool, you know, the better your results. Mm-hmm. So we look forward to seeing and hearing more about the study. And as Patrick said, we'll put a link up on the, the Paceline website or on the page, that is, for the show. If you want to participate with uh, Dr. Minkow's study, we encourage you to do so. Because, yeah, again, the more people, yeah, the more people, the better and the more data they'll be able to get. So cool. All right. Coming up, uh, we revert back to our childhoods. And send the letters to Santa next on the pace line. Ladies and gentlemen, the champion for 2011 Santos Tour down under Cameron Meyer. The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Michael Houghton, Fatty, and Patrick Brady. Fatty has uh, actually had to exit a little early, but uh, Patrick and I will wrap things up from here. Patrick, a company headquartered just south of you is making a return to our bottles. Osmo is back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was, I was, you know, we'd seen the the little placeholder uh, page on their website saying uh, we're we're dormant. We're going to be back. Um, and I thought, oh man, this is the beginning of the end. I love their product. And, uh, suddenly last week, uh, there was this announcement that their original CEO, Ben Capron, uh, had with a a buddy of his, uh, stepped in and bought 
all of the intellectual property and existing stock and, uh, you know, basically all the rights uh, to the name and everything. And they are relaunching the brand and they, um, I gave them a call. I uh, wanted to find out more, and the long and short of it is uh, sometime in January, they will be shipping product again. Uh, as Good. that date gets closer, uh, we're going to do an interview with him. But uh, one of the other big things is that um, they have retained uh, Peter Sagan as an endorsee of the product. Uh, he, When he found out that the company might go under, he bought up every bit of remaining stock if you can believe this. He had people, uh, friends who were in the States, he would have them get an extra suitcase and fill it with Osmo to bring back to him. That's how obsessed he was with this stuff. He's been somebody who's been known for having cramping problems. You know, the longer the race, the more likely he's been to cramp. And Osmo uh, really made the big difference for him in not cramping. And uh, so he's uh, he's signing on uh, as an endorsee, um, has signed on. This is not something going to happen. It has happened. Um, and it's it's pretty funny because there was a brief conversation there in which Sagan himself wondered about buying the company. He yeah. almost bought Osmo himself. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there was back. a lot of uncertainty surrounding Osmo when uh, Dr. Stacy Sims left. We ran into her at Interbike, interviewed her. We put that interview on the show. She didn't have a lot of answers about what was going to happen to Osmo. Of course, she was kind of the, the brains and the idea behind Osmo. She believed very much in hydration in your bottle, food in your pocket. You want to separate those two elements out. Um, so Osmo's idea and its products will carry forward. Yes, without Dr. Sims, but... Obviously in good hands now, and we're glad to see them remain on the market. Of course, they're a big part of a uh, pretty big part of Marin County. There, I think you find them in Fairfax is where the at least that's where I found them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they're still going to stay there, but they're going to be see. focusing on bike shops, you know, IBDs for distribution, and then also direct. So you can order them if you don't have a, a local uh, dealer carrying them. Um, or will be able to sometime in January. But yeah, as we get closer to the relaunch of Osmo, we're going to have uh, Ben Capron on the show. And followers of the Paceline may recall a story we told you about where Louis Vuitton, the Louis Vuitton group, that is, was making a play for Pinarello Bikes. Well, that deal has been sealed. It is being executed by Catterton, the largest consumer uh, brand private equity firm. It also owns Peloton, Restoration Hardware, Core Power Yoga, Outback Steakhouse, Noodles and Company, Aldwalla, P.F. Chang's, and now Pinarello. Quite a little grouping there. And yeah. next on their list is a Rafa. So Rafa is also on the target of this group. Quite a conglomerate going. Do you think this is good for a brand like Pinarello, Patrick? You know, this is one of those where I have no idea where this might lead. I don't know if yeah. it's good for them. I don't know if it's good for the sport. I don't know if it's bad for the sport. Um, and also, you know, does this mean that, you know, now that they've made this acquisition, was it an either or proposition? We're either going to buy Rafa or Pinarello, or are they still looking at Rafa? You know, mm. are they not finished yet? Um, so it's, it's really going to be an interesting thing to continue to follow. And I'm curious to see if the, uh, the strategic direction for Pinarello changes at all. Will we suddenly right. start seeing, you know, thousand dollar complete Pinarello bikes in the marketplace, uh, you know? 
I, they're, um, the press release did say that their leadership is supposed to stay in The leadership at Pinarello is supposed to stay in play. So Right. They're not changing people, but that yeah. doesn't mean that the strategic direction of the company might not change. So I'm, right. I'm really curious to see what happens. Okay, time now for our pace line picks. And in the spirit of Christmas, we thought we'd get into a little getting or giving. So, Patrick, whip out your Christmas list and let's see what uh, you want or would like to give this year. Well, with RKP this year, uh, instead of doing the traditional uh, commercial gizmos, toys, and gadgets, uh, I went for experiences. And so I mentioned some things like, you know, the the old Kaz event from the Grasshopper series and uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, which uh, recently hosted the Imba World Summit. I've been hearing nothing but stellar reviews of the trail network that they've built out there in Bentonville, Arkansas in the Ozarks. Um, I've suggested possibly a fit session. If you've never had a really great fitting, mm-hmm. get a great fitting uh, or give one to somebody. You know, If you're in L.A., go to Bike Effect, by the way, and see <laughs> Steven for that yeah. fitting. He's great. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe a mountain bike skills clinic like uh, the ones offered by Ninja Mountain Bike Performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, I want a week in Mendocino with a guide, and I know the folks to do it. Um, I want to go up there. I've been hearing nothing but just fantastic stuff about the trails up there. Neat and flowy stuff. Also some great new stuff uh, in Lake County as well. So stuff that's a relatively short drive for me. And as opposed to going south into Marin, where there will be lots and lots of cyclists and access issues, uh, going north is um, decreased population and uh, new trails in great shape. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, a great list there. Um, I'm going to stick with the getting, and I'm going to stick with, uh, yeah, hard products, I think, here. I'm still in search <laughs> of this bike that uh, that can take me on a long road ride, hang in a fast pack, work on a gravel road with confidence, jump in the occasional cross race. It probably has a BB lower than 70 millimeter, through axles, one-to-one on the low end for gearing, but enough high end to stay with that group ride. It might be carbon. It could be titanium. Steel is not out of the question. Probably, uh, I, I I can't find this bike, but somebody out there knows about it or knows of it. So if you do, and if you make these overnight trips between December 24th and December 25th, please just drop one off here <laughs> at my place in LA, and I'll, I'll take care of it from there. Um, but help me. Help me find this. <laughs> This wonder steed I am looking for. So that would be my Christmas wish for me and for everyone. Uh, Please get out and ride and and have a great uh, 2017 on the bike. Uh, That is another edition of the Pace Line in the books here, guys. Uh, Anything else, Patrick, on RKP or or on your list? Oh, well, I finally posted my review of the Marin Mount Vision mountain bike. Uh, This is a trail bike, uh, 27.5 with 140 millimeters of travel. Um, This this review took me the better part of six months to write. It's been one of the more difficult reviews I've ever written. Um, There were just some really neat kind of subtle things that I needed to dig into and take some time to understand. It's a pretty remarkable bike. And uh, as happens from time to time, I'm kind of bummed I gave it back. Yeah. That is too bad. And you've got uh, you've shown some interest in single speed worlds. 
We got that. access to a great collection of photos. Yeah. And so we've got our first post from the qualifiers last Saturday. Um, that is up. And uh, sometime in the next 24 hours or so, I should be posting uh, another collection of photos from the event itself. Some of them vaguely vaguely safe for work, uh, maybe not entirely safe for work, but most of them, yeah, perfectly fine. But uh, some really, really great photos. It looks like even though you would have been wet, muddy, and cold, it, it was a pretty terrific time by the appearance of it. Yep. There's a, a lot of spirit that comes um, through on those photos if you have a look at them. So check them out at redkiteprayer.com. And, of course, you can find the page line at RKP. Links and notes pertaining to the show are there, along with a place to rip us a new one if you need to, or just leave us a nice comment. Paceline can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music. Subscribe and rate us, please. Also, at Paceline Podcast would be our Twitter handle and our Instagram account, the Red Kite Prayer Instagram account, fairly active these days, too, with some fresh photos. Okay, time to clip in and go for a ride, be good to each other, and we will talk to you soon on the Paceline. You know, I'm sorry but- I'm laughing because your leaf blower guy is back. Yeah. Yep, yep. He's like exactly the, as I'm talking. He's like the fourth person in this show. <laughs>